Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Royal Reverse read-along and analysis podcast that sits out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today we are continuing our timeline journey with the Lost Hero story break, A Quest is Given. And this is from pages 117 to 188. As always, I have my points to focus on, so today we've got characters, gods, narrative, and generally what I thought of it, as well as, of course, the chapter overview breakdown sort of situation. But to begin, here's the synopsis for A Quest is Given. As a new prophecy arrives, Piper is given a makeover as a gift, while Leo gets a dragon for his. Gotta be honest, I would definitely choose Leo's gift. With the quest trio chosen, Jason has a dream vision that may guide them to where they need to go. Oh, Canada. Uh, if you've read this, you will know that reference. <laughs> um, but yeah, not the best synopsis. There's, there's quite a bit that happens, but also not much happening at the same time. This is what I'm finding so far with The Lost Hero. A lot happens whilst nothing happens at the same time. So well, I'm going to start first with Piper's chapters because we only have one part of her chapter as we ended this last week with one part of her chapter. So this is Piper's chapter overview part one. Arriving at the campfire from fresh confused eyes, yeah it looks a little bit cult-like. I've Just seeing the perspective from Piper of what the campfire looks like and the campfire sing-along, it does look a bit cultish which I found quite hilarious. As Rachel recites the great prophecy, Jason shows a different side to himself. With Jason's gifts shown and his heritage of a son of Zeus provided, a new prophecy is given and chaos follows. A child of Hephaestus and Aphrodite must be chosen and with Leo volunteering, there's one left to go. Piper fights hard against Drew, but when she loses, she goes through a change of her own. Hail Piper, daughter of Aphrodite, one ready to go on this quest to save her father. Now before I move on to the other situations and the other chapter overviews, I want to give like a little bit of a, and I think I may go do this a little bit from now on, because I kind of did this last week with Arit, but um, a little bit of feedback on this particular chapter. Um... <laughs> Once again, Ruth Piper's thought process more on Jason as a boyfriend than anything else. The irony of this fact being, though, that she then makes fun of the Aphrodite cabin for seeing his attraction as well. Like, she literally looks down on them, and I'm like, girl, stop with this girl-hating rhetoric. It is not attractive, it is not kind, no. 
this whole thing about Piper hating pretty girls. What, what, why do authors, and particularly male authors, but even just authors in general, I've seen many books by female authors who do this. Why do so many authors and films and any form of media have a not like other girl literally hate women who are pretty women who care about their appearance? Why? Why do they make women hate each other? I just don't understand it. And Piper is literally the definition of this. She hates other women. And yes, I know there are boys in the Aphrodite cabin, but she ha- so she basically she's hating feminine esque men as well, which is a little bit borderline homophobic in some areas. And I'll get onto that later on when we go to her being in the cabin because there are some things that I find quite questionable. But literally, just stop. And also, she has like a literally borderline pissing match with Drew, and I'm like, come on now, come on, are we really here for this petty stuff? It's and it's all to do with the fact that like Piper wants to go on the quest but Drew also wants to go on the quest and Emily I would have been interesting if Drew went because we don't really know anything about her literally all we know about Drew is that she's Asian she's beautiful and she's a bitch like that's all that's being presented to us um but I'm also just I'm and this is to do with the conversation that me and Arat had last at uh, last episode I'm not a fan with how Drew is being portrayed as manipulative and like a bully because it just feels unnecessary. Like what we discussed, like I love the idea of her being the more callous, jealous, crueler side of Aphrodite because Aphrodite does have various different like shades to her because she can be shady. (laughs) But her looking down on people and talking down to others and just being cruel for the sake of cruel doesn't fit with that and it just feels like oh yeah we just need to give Piper a rival for someone to have her beat at the end um not in a physical fight but like in a confrontation of some sort it just feels really weird I also want to add in that we don't I don't think we see Drew again after this book I know obviously we're not really like so we just see Drew being an ass and then that's never really fully resolved like she can like this is the whole thing i like the idea of drew being this jealous callous a little bit manipulative for her advantage sort of person but what i don't like because like all those things being jealous being callous and all these sort of things doesn't mean you have to be a bully and like name cool people like she's calling piper a dumpster girl like she doesn't know this person she knows nothing about her and yet she's being like she's bullying her and even later on when we see them in the cabin like she bullies everyone in that cabin I know it just it feels just really unnecessary and I I am really irritated by it as you can probably tell from my tone of voice but I'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into the next lot of Piper's chapters but I want to move into Leo's chapters now Um, so this is the overview for Leo's chapters thank god we are finally getting to some of Leo's story Surprise number one, Hera was his evil auntie. Quite liked that. Surprise number two, she tried to kill him by testing his abilities for many years. Um, Surprise number three, he had, uh, she kind of knew where things were going with him. She knew his future in a sense, which is why she was testing him. Devastatingly, Leo had 
basically never had a chance to be a kid because he only had his mum when a mysterious earthly figure took her from him and he was blamed. Now, back in the present, he goes in search of a dragon. Turns out, not that hard to find a six-foot-long dragon and repair them when you're immune to fire. Also, seemingly, not too hard to befriend the big, friendly dragon robot. Um, (laughs) With new secrets and mysteries of the camp found, I realise I put mysterious instead of mysteries, it's time for Leo to get to work. Now, okay, I'm glad we have some more information about Leo, but my feedback for these sections, it took us way, way too long to get some insight to Leo's background and a bit of his character. Like, we kind of got some ideas, like when he saw um, his Tia um, a little while ago with Will Solace, but like other than that, we don't really, and we knew about his mum being dead and a few other things here and there, but we really knew nothing else about him. So we've got a little bit more about this of, you know, Hera being his tear and what actually happened to his mother in that he feels responsible. But like admittedly, we still don't know much about his personality. We only kind of see him much of, us, of like a jokester still. The only thing that, is different with this and seeing like a different side of his personality is his interactions with machines um because the way he talks to festus i actually really quite enjoy the only issue is that the first thought that came to my mind when i was reading his interactions with festus was that they were the, the conversation feels like the sort of conversation that i have with like my local barber like you have a good chat you share a bit of information it's all chill it's all kind but it's none of it's with substance it's all basically just chatting for the sake of chatting you're not actually having a proper conversation it's just kind of it's a bit of banter sort of situation i realize i'm saying some things here that are like the most british things i think i've ever said on this podcast it's a bit of bants bit of bants man um <laughs> but yeah there's no real substance to kind of what's happening so i still feel like we don't see much of his character still like we see i'm glad we're seeing the less goofy side to him but i do wish we still got a little bit more considering we're like nearly at this point his page chapters i think get to like page 140 or something but like we're 140 pages in and we still don't really know much about leo and he's one of our main characters admittedly we're nearly 200 pages and we don't really know anything about anyone piper is the only character we really know quite a bit about (laughs) Um, and we've also only just started the quest when we're nearing 200 pages but you know that's a conversation for later but to go into the next lot of chapters which is Jason so for Jason's chapters overview it is as follows Jason dreams of wolves and unfortunately for him they aren't the most helpful they show him where he must go to save Hera but not where it is that part he has to remember himself When he wakes, he's frustrated and confused. And honestly, mate, I don't blame you. As Jason explores Cabin One, he wonders about the quest until he finds Talia Grace's old hiding spot. When Annabeth arrives, she fills him in on who Talia was. And then a memory arrives. Jason isn't just a Jason. He's Jason Grace, Talia's brother. Dun, 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 dun. That's not actually the tune that you have to do for those things. What is the 
Uh, oh yeah, dun dun dun. That's it. I added too many duns. <laughs> um, I don't really have much feedback for Jason because um, Jason is still really boring. I'm sorry. Like there's still nothing really interesting about him. The most interesting thing happened in Piper's chapters when he reveals to himself to be a son of Zeus. That's kind of you know that's the thing, but like. The only thing that I got from these chapters, you can tell I'm someone who just really loves wolves. Like, I'm writing a book series that features heavily on wolves. But, like, the way in which he talks about Lupa, the wolf mother, that that wolves kill the weakest link. No, they don't. They don't kill. They don't kill their own pack. If they're in a pack, the one who's weak, they don't kill them. They don't kill them at all. The way in which a pack works is, yeah, the strongest lead the front of the line and the weakest are at the back of the line, but they don't kill them. Like, stop demonising wolves, damn it. Add to the fact they refer to someone like him trying to be an alpha. Alphas do not exist. There is no such hierarchy in a wolf pack. They are a family unit. Alphas, betas, omegas, all that bull does not exist in the wolf structure. That only exists in domesticated, like, ways like in zoos because that's how they're conditioned to work because you know they're limited in what they can do there is nothing like that in the wild also stop with the romance he has an entire section where he's talking about like piper's looks he kind of has a moment of realizing oh yeah no she's not comfortable i feel really bad for her but she's goddamn gorgeous and i'm like come on man come on have a little bit of integrity please um I have to be honest though as well actually just for that final reveal of him being Jason Grace what this is kind of a question to the audience as well what is the point of Jason being related to Talia I kind of don't get that it just feels a bit random because like it's not really significant in the series like I can't think of any moment in Heroes of Olympus where them being related is of significance I don't know. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I know I'm being like really negative, but I just feel like there's just so many missed opportunities that are coming with with this book in particular, and it is just it's just frustrating, just because like I've been reading a lot of the Rick Riordan presents imprint books, and the way in which so many of them set things up and introduce characters and introduce stories and i don't know most of them aren't multi-pov but even the king chronicles the king chronicles is bloody brilliant and that's a multi-pov and it does it really well the lost hero is not doing that well at all like we're nearly we're nearly 200 pages in and nothing's happened we've only just left to go on a quest only just left 200 pages we'd be close to finishing a story for percy jackson and the olympians no, we're not even a quarter of a way through. <laughs> I'm just looking at my book now. Literally, we're just maybe at a quarter of the way through now. And they've only just left for the quest. I know in terms of the length of the book, that kind of makes sense. But all, not even that. Like, really, they should have been leaving for a quest probably 100 pages sooner. Like, I feel like the length of this book is just ridiculous. I don't know. Sorry, I'm just going to stop now. To go on to the next slot, so we have go back to another round of Piper's chapters. Piper is pretty much the only POV that I'm really enjoying because the stuff is happening. But this one, I'm not the most fond of. <laughs> so this is Piper's chapters overview, part two. 
Piper's beautifying gift hasn't gone away and her new siblings suck. Drew is made to be out made out to be a terror and a bit of a dick. And Piper <laughs> And Piper isn't about that, my god. A few cabin mates were kinder, but they get punished by Drew for it. Dropping the my dad's movie star card. Standing up poorly to Drew, Piper decides she's done with this Aphrodite nonsense. When a dragon and a Leo arrive, it's time for them to leave. With a final wistful thought of Jason, their destination for the quest is decided. They're heading for Canada. Thankfully, Festus is a good seat warmer for where they're going. And that's pretty much the end of the A Quest is Given section of, of this book. I don't really have much feedback for these chapters, other than the fact that why is the Aphrodite cabin the abomination of a stereotype of petty and shallow people? Like, Aphrodite is so much more than that. I'm going to get into that into the next section. So, I know I've kind of talked a little bit about characters already, but the one thing I want to talk about characters is is Jason in particular. Because Piper claiming that Zeus, king of the gods and most powerful, makes sense for him being Jason's godly parent, because, oh, that you know, it makes sense for Jason. Just, there's no evidence for this so far. Like, his powers are great and they're a good connection, but he's not really done anything to show him to be a powerful person besides his powers like he's just kind of been there he's not really been an active participant in anything piper's kind of done more things than he has currently um she had her prophecy situation and interaction with hera first she was technically was pulled into the situation first with the giant person taking her dad like she is a more of an active participant than Jason and yet Zeus being his dad because of how strong and powerful he is makes sense for for reasons I don't know it just feels really weird because I'm like but he's not really like other than like defeating storm spirits and some of that with the help of like Hedge and and Piper Piper helped in that as well it's just I don't know it's just a bit weird anyway um, the only other thing as well, so from what I mentioned earlier, I think he's, like, it's good that he's aware of others, but he is actually quite shallow, I've realised. By, like, and this is, this is the wording that kind of got me of thinking he's a bit shallow, shallow. And also just the fact that everyone seemed to use it, that Piper turned all beautiful. I'm like, no, she was already cute. Like, she just got some makeup and, like, that's not a drastic change it's just some makeup and a different change of clothes like she wasn't turned beautiful you can't make someone beautiful except with maybe plastic surgery i guess i don't know but he focuses on that quite a bit at least he notices how comfortable she is and offers her blanket from the cold but like he still focuses on how pretty she is and he's like oh but i don't want to lead her wrong because i don't know what's going on but i want to give her a hug but then i do i'm like mate calm down stop there is a missing goddess. You are about to go on a quest. Stop thinking about these things. It doesn't matter. And this is what I mean by like the romantic relationship situation in this in this book in particular. Teenagers don't care about this level of romance. I'm sorry, they don't. Not everything is them going to be thinking about a romantic partner. Even if they have a romantic partner, not every single thought is going to lead back to them. Especially in a life or death situation. 
I just, oh. but to kind of move on from that, I want to go into gods. Now, so obviously we know about the hero situation. <clears throat> the quest that sorry, my throat's a little bit dry. Um, what's interesting about the hero situation is that the the prophecy that they're given shows that there is a chance that she could either turn on the people rescuing her or turn on the enemy. But they don't actually know how that's going to work out. And that kind of makes sense because, you know, prophecies, they're all riddle-like. But what's interesting is that they have this discussion of the fact that the goddess they're rescuing is a goddess who doesn't care for heroes. Likely due to the fact that she's the goddess of marriage and demigods are literally basically a sign of infidelity in most cases. Um, But the thing that surprises me is that she's a goddess who doesn't care for heroes. And yet she was basically, you know, a childminder for Leo as a kid until the age of like five or six, I think it was. She clearly has a connection to Jason saying, you know, she owns him, basically. Um, There's not really much of a connection to Piper currently. But like, she clearly has interacted and been involved with heroes. So it feels weird that she's considered a goddess who doesn't care for heroes when we've then got evidence that follows it up as her being a goddess who literally gets actively involved in demigods' lives. Feels a bit contradictory, but I don't know. This is the first time I'm picking up on it, so I'm intrigued if anyone else picked up on that as well. But to go into the gods that I most want to talk about, and that's Aphrodite. Now, I did a whole video of this on my YouTube channel, and I'll link that in the episode show notes, but... The way that Aphrodite is portrayed makes me angrier every time I read this series. And especially the Aphrodite cabin as well, because they, admittedly, they're only literally prominent in this book and then we never really have interactions with them again. But the introduction of the thing called the Rite of Passage, which means you fall in love with someone and break their heart horrifically. And the assumption that that's what Aphrodite did to Piper's dad, Tristan is why he can't love again like that's the worst and cruelest thing i've ever heard and it just feels so unnecessary like what is the point of introducing this rite of passage thing to then also say hey i think aphrodite literally destroyed your father because she could i mean come on now come on that's the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard Aphrodite is the oldest and most powerful god. Every action Aphrodite is involved in is connected to... Like, no, every action... No, I've said that word. Every action, everything that every single person in the entire world does, Aphrodite has a connection to it. Love goes with literally everything. War, friendship, family, loyalty. And yet... Her kids aren't fighters. They don't believe in battle. They don't believe in, you know, creating long-lasting relationships, it seems, either. And are only focused on getting people together and then breaking them up. Like, come on now. I was so... And this is the thing. I was so excited for having an Aphrodite lead demigod character. But Piper, honestly, is just as bitchy as the rest of them with how she thinks about them. She talks about how they're all the mean girls and they're all, like, cruel. And I'm like, girl, you the way you're thinking about them is just as shitty. Like, 
you are you are ju being just as petty and just as cruel. You're just not saying it out loud. Like the the, the literally the only difference is that they're saying it out loud and you're not. That doesn't make you any better. Because if you look down on people, people can tell. Like people can literally tell when someone is looking down on them, and it is it's probably written all over Piper's face because. The way in which she thinks about people and the way in which she acts and like her body language and all these sort of things. It's going to be really telling. Like, <laughs> people can tell when she's not too sure about herself and use that to their advantage. So she's very clearly an open book in her body language. She hates on her cabin and her siblings and everything about what Aphrodite represents. And that ain't, that ain't it. I don't appreciate it and it's just really frustrating that the first time we ever get a demigod character that represents something that hasn't been represented before like we've never had a main character from Aphrodite who's been presented in a good way. Selena is someone who was a traitor in a sense but redeemed herself by dying as a hero but she was also someone who cried in every single situation. She was known for crying and being pretty. That's it. That's all Selena was known for. And it's not even, it's not any better. Piper is literally the not like other girls who's also obsessed with romance. With Jason. Like, come on. Do better. Why couldn't this have been done better straight away? It just, it's very... It just disappoints me because there is so much potential here with Piper as a character. Piper is the character that I feel had the most potential out of this new group. But she doesn't have the chance to have that explored because she is relegated to being someone who's more focused on Jason and a romantic relationship with Jason with the situation of her dad being kidnapped, kind of being regulated to a side story every so often. It's like she only suddenly remembers, oh yeah, my dad's kidnapped and facing, you know, death possibilities. But Jason, like, I don't know, it's just... The fact that she has this situation with her dad, I feel would have been so much better um, to focus on that more than having this romantic relationship. Like, they've barely talked. I want to point this out. So Jason, as well, is considering how, like, sweet she is and stuff. And I'm like, mate, you haven't talked since you've woken up. You, you don't know who this person is. And suddenly you're thinking, oh, I may like her. You've not had a proper conversation with her this entire time. Like, other than when she realised that you don't have any memories. That was the first time that you've had a full conversation with her. You've not had another one since, and it's been nearly 200 pages. Like, it's just... I know Piper has these whole memories, so her situation is more justified. It just... It's not important right now. And, like, at all. Her dad has been kidnapped. That should be her priority. Ugh. I need to stop. I'm going to move on to the narrative situation because that's going to annoy me so much. So, and this is the thing that I keep mentioning. So, a quest is finally been given, repairing for it, and going on it on the quest now. They've left for the quest. But the fact that it's taken to nearly 200 pages for them to leave to go on this quest is the worst kind of pacing that I've ever seen in a book. And I've seen this before to someone. Well, I say this about a few other things. So I did a Pride Month readathon recently for June because, um, you know, Pride Month and all. But there was a book that I got 
200 pages in out of a 400 page book and that's halfway through and I knew I needed to finish the story because it was just not grabbing me the story was not progressing it was not moving forward and I was just kind of bored and honestly that's where I'm at right now for The Lost Hero we're 200 pages in we're not even a quarter but like not not even halfway through this is a quarter of the way through and the story has really only just progressed to the point of a quest and the narrative is progressing it's taken two nearly 200 pages for the story to progress and that's just it's just not good and it's really disappointing (laughs) like i only keep i keep referring to percy jackson but like but the per- the pacing in Percy Jackson was spot on. There were moments where things went a bit too fast, which I feel could have been slowed down. But this, this is next level. Everything is too slow. Like the pacing is just not it, and pacing is really important for for a narrative because the narrative is just feeling really slow, and you know, it's just I feel like I'm dragging myself through it. And I think this is the reason I usually end up not like when I'm doing my reread of certain things. Heroes of Olympus is nearly always skipped, or at least Lost Hero is definitely skipped because I know it's just it just takes so long. I think this is one of the I think Mark of Athena may be no no House of Pages I think is the longest, but the Lost Hero is the second longest book from Heroes of Olympus, and it feels it. <sighs> But just to kind of move on from that, the thing I want to talk about actually is Leo's chapters and the issue that I have with it, particularly narrative-wise. And just story plot-related-wise, because when we're introduced to the sleeping Earth woman, if, <laughs> if any reader has even the slightest knowledge of Greek and Roman mythology, you'll know who that is instantly. Like you've basically given the villain away super easily and it's just really disappointing like at least with Percy Jackson the voice in the dark pits were not that easy to like deduce who it was until some more cute clues were given later on we've literally basically been given this woman's face and description like (laughs) it's just oh my god it's just it's disappointing that this big old villain that we have is basically given to us easily if you have any knowledge of Greek mythology like also adding to the fact that she is responsible for the death of Leo's mother because of something that he may do in the future it's just a bit too plot convenient for me to give him this trauma and a reason to run away and keep running and blah 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 to later end up in the wilderness school it's just kind of like come on now Really? Do, do we need to traumatise these children? Apparently so. <laughs> but just overall, like, this whole section of, like... Hold on, how many... It was... How many pages was it? 117 to 188. Um, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. So basically, that's... Oh, no, nearly 90. So... Yeah, so nearly 90 pages. And, you know... Not, not, not much is happened (laughs) I just it's just it's really dragging and I think that's the disappointing thing about the lost hero there's so much potential with the lost hero but the story really does just drag so much and it's just disappointing beyond belief um 
there, there are so many ways in which this could have been improved and that is working on Leo's character outside of him having fire because that's kind of the only thing and him being good with machines that's kind of it that's all we know about him uh, in terms of like a personality situation Jason obviously we know nothing about which is boring just in general Piper at least we know something about but then she like her motivations like jump back and forth so often that it's just kind of like well what, what does she want what it like what's happening it just needs a clearer more direct path for where the story is going it shouldn't have taken nearly 200 pages for us to actually get moving with the narrative um but it's still being so negative i want to move into this week's question of the episode and this is just a question that i have just in general and it's something that I always made me wonder because i just didn't get it so the question of the episode is leo's connection to hera to me feels a little strange seeing as gods aren't meant to interact with demigods how do you feel about tia hera and obviously that question is going to go up on all of our social media so check us out on instagram and twitter or you can email in your thoughts to this question as well as well as the other questions i've had throughout this episode um yeah i don't really have anything further to say to this but uh thank you all for joining me for this story segment be sure to join me next wednesday as we continue our own verse journey to plug where you can find our podcast we are available on spotify but you should drop a follow apple Podcasts, where we appreciate a rating and a review audio boom stitcher deezer and basically wherever you want to listen to podcasts in the meantime between episodes you can find the best time camp on various social media at best damn camp pod on instagram and twitter if you want to email me with your thoughts you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com or if you want to get early access and various other perks you can become a podcast patron over at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of fran which is linked in the episode show notes for early access and other exclusive perks as well as the chance to offer the question of the episode or maybe even guest star want more percy jackson content check me out on youtube at a healthy dose of fran or if you want to support my own writing drop me a follow at a dose of fran on instagram twitter and tiktok again thank you all for tuning in as always i've been fran your very own hunter i'll see slash speak to you all next time bye bye